Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another fabulous installment of Matt and Dennis, the Matt and Dennis podcast. My name is Matt Scarano. I am joined alongside, as always, by my friend and co-host, Mr. Dennis Vinci. Dennis, happy belated Thanksgiving. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing excellent, Matt. Very excellent. It's been too long. It's been far too long. It has. Um, I'll take the blame uh, for that one. Good. Uh, um, it was supposed to be just a brief weekend in Orlando, which turned into an accidental week and a half. Um, and I did not. And anyone that knows you, Matt, is not shocked. No, no. As, as they Matt found an extra an extra couple of days to stay in the shun shun the shun the sunshine yeah. state. There you go. Good job. And he did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, long story short, I went for the Orlando City game, which we talked about in our last episode at length, and then they won. And then I was like, all right, cool. If they win, then they got to go on the road the next week. And something New England beat Philadelphia, which no one saw happening because Philadelphia was the best team in the league all year, which gave Orlando another home game. And I had some time to kill, fortunately, and the weather was beautiful. So I was like, you know what? Canceled my flight, got most of my money back was able to get a cheap flight home did thanksgiving down in florida as we all knew it'd probably be a weird one so i didn't you know for different reasons it was uh, it all it all worked out and uh, it was a good time so uh thank you for our listeners for hanging in there hope you had a good thanksgiving we get right back into it um dennis uh first things first obviously nba isn't something that we necessarily talk about at length on this show but when there's important news we we bring it up and there's a few important headlines from the, the last day or so um, one of them being um, the Houston Rockets trading Russell Westbrook over to the Washington Wizards in exchange for John Wall, who now himself becomes a Houston Rocket. Um, that's one story. Another story out of Los Angeles is uh, Anthony Davis uh, signing a five-year contract um, with uh, his the team that he's been with, the Los Angeles Lakers, so he'll stay in L.A. for, for a while. Um, I guess I the name of his agent escapes me, but I guess there was a process there, a period of time where they were trying to explore what options would be best. It was a small contract, what the biggest contract would be if he would stay in LA or go elsewhere. So now we know five years, Anthony Davis stays in Los Angeles. And uh, like you mentioned, staying in Los Angeles, um, LeBron James signing a uh, two-year contract extension to also stay in the city of Angels. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, one, I don't really care, but good for them, I guess. Good for the fan base. I, I don't know, maybe good for the league so that we don't just have superstars joining up for two years, one of which is to feel everybody out and get some chemistry going and barely miss the playoffs. And then the next year, just completely run roughshod through the Western Conference, which is very difficult to do, and then get covid to break everything up and then continue right where you left off and then win a championship. It's nice that they're not breaking that little squad that they had going up. I like to see that maybe a little continuity. I, I don't know for the NBA because it just seems everyone's switching teams every year. It's one reason I just can't, I don't, I'm not into it anymore, but yeah, I just, I don't know the little bit that I watch. I like Anthony Davis and LeBron playing together. I think LeBron has, maybe Dwayne Wade just because he's a shooting guard and, but he was kind of like a smaller LeBron James. I think Anthony Davis might be the best compliment LeBron James has ever had. 
because he's a big guy who's a threatening uh, presence inside, more so than LeBron is, but can also step out and shoot it from literally anywhere on the court. So I, he, he's never really had that. So I think it's a perfect compliment for him. He doesn't have to do nearly as much, especially as he's getting up there in age. Not that he has shown his age, just that eventually his body is definitely deteriorating because he pushes it for so long. You can only have so much left after you go to the NBA finals. What was it like eight or nine straight years where you're playing basketball from the months of October through June straight. You can only have so much left in the tank, even though he's only 30, 34, 35. Mm. I don't even know if he's that old either way. So yeah, whatever. Good for LA. I don't know if you have, Anything you want to share? I have a little more to share on the John Wall stuff. I think that's way more interesting. Yeah, just really quick before you get to that, just to kind of, I mean, I agree with you. Like, I mean, we're, we're a sports podcast, so we got to run through these things. But like I mentioned, NBA, we don't try to hide it. We're not a very NBA-centric uh, uh, podcast by any means. But I, I agree with what you said, and I think for me, that's a, that's a turn off that it seems to be, especially as of the better part of the last 10 years. It's like a NBA star carousel where – it's LA, it's it's Golden State, it was Oklahoma City, it was Houston, all just going in this little roundabout. And then some teams from the East kind of joined in on that, whether it was Toronto or the Celtics, even the Sixers, and he got involved a little bit. But it's just kind of this all-star carousel where t- to get to get a team that has not been in that mix, um, to get in that mix is, is has not really been happening. Um, and teams other than the Golden State Warriors have not really been falling out of that mix. And boy, did they fall. Um, but yeah, you were mentioning John Wall. Yeah, I, so part of this take is from what I heard from Colin Cowherd. And I don't necessarily agree with him usually. I find him very entertaining because he's always, I mean, completely out there with some of his takes. But he kind of brought this up and then I started doing a little extra digging and it was little minuscule digging because I'm not digging into the NBA or whatever. But to me, this, I got the update on my phone. Rockets are going to acquire John Wall, who's a seriously talented point guard in this league. He's had some injury troubles the last couple of years, but then you're also going to get a first round pick. And that to me sounds incredible. I know you're losing Russell Westbrook, probably maybe the best all around point guard in the league right now. I mean, I, you could probably toss it up, but at least what he does offensively, it, it, there might not be a better guy. So that's tough to lose, but you have James Harden. So what's the big deal? Now you're going to get somebody who might be a better passer. I, I don't know in John Wall, but just looking at this at first glance, it's like, why would Washington want to do this? But I think they completely come out on top for me. I don't think John Wall makes them any better than having compared to having Russell Westbrook. And now you get a first round pick. So are you going to get something that's in the teens? Are you going to have a pick that's maybe 11 through 15 at best? And in the NBA where there's only two rounds, we're not talking about guys like in the NFL where in that slot, you're going to get defensive guys or offensive linemen that played at Alabama or LSU or Texas or Ohio state. Clemson like you you know what I mean the the talent gap is far less as far as the NBA goes and look at this year as a perfect example for the NBA draft 
Like you get it hyped up because it's the NBA draft, but there was nobody that you're really excited about. The first like three or four picks are all guys that are 18 or 19 years old, basically going into a developmental stage in the NBA. None of them are ready to become NBA all-stars right now. Who knows if any of them will actually be NBA all-stars. They're probably just going to be NBA starters, like just serviceable NBA starters. Maybe Ball's got enough skill. And again, if he can develop his shooting, but who knows, his brother hasn't really been able to develop his shooting in the NBA. So maybe he just becomes what uh, LaMelo already is or not LaMelo. He's LaMelo Lonzo. What Lonzo already is. Uh, See, I I think it's a major win for Washington. You're going to steal a superstar. He can now be the superstar on this team. Perfect compliment shooting wise to have Bradley Beal who can strike it from anywhere. And you're in the Eastern conference, much easier to win. There's no reason to me, depending on what Washington has around Russell Westbrook for this season, why they can't be battling for a playoff spot between maybe say six and eight. Keep in mind. That's my, that's my take. It's a keep in mind too, regarding Russell Westbrook, that there were rumors. I don't know if they were ever substantiated. I don't recall them being, but I believe it. Um, considering these two players' personalities, but apparently it wasn't uh, rainbows and butterflies in Houston with uh, Russell Westbrook and, and Greg Harden playing um, next to each other. So I believe it. That maybe I, 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 I wouldn't read too much into that, but that could be a reason as to why Houston may have been like, all right, let's put the foot to the gas on this and get it. It could be. And it's like what we mentioned this league, people just want to play with their friends. It's a yeah. player driven league. The players run the league. And they just want to play with their buddies. That's all. That's all any of this is. So if they're not going to be happy. You're not going to get the best performance out of them. As crappy as that sounds, because we're talking about millionaires playing a game like shut up and just be good at basketball. They're your teammates and not to be your best friends. But that's not the league we're watching right now in the NBA. Everyone just wants to play with their buddies. Well, a lot of them will get to play with their buddies on Christmas Day, Dennis. And uh, uh, running down the schedule. Uh, just first, there's a lot of a lot of familiar. Are the Knicks playing? Uh, the Knicks are not, which is good. The one su- probably the one surprise. On there was a there was a stretch there for a couple of years where they would be like that noon game or even the two o'clock game, yeah. and it's like, why are the Knicks on TV right now? Yeah. Yeah. This is what you're leading your NBA coverage with. So the Knicks are missing, so that is that is surprising. But uh, really quick, you have the Pelicans. At the Miami Heat, Golden State is at the Milwaukee Bucks. You got the Brooklyn Nets at the Boston Celtics in the five o'clock game. You have the Dallas Mavericks at the Lakers in the eight o'clock game. And rounding out the night at ten thirty, it's the Clippers at the Denver Nuggets. So that's a solid game, slate. That is game one at noon. Uh, the final game ten thirty, probably taking you up to one o'clock in the morning. So that's a probably that, Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt. Yep, and honestly, as like again, just because. NBA, I'm not the biggest, and, and the team I've been rooting for has not played a Christmas game and who knows how long. Um, but uh, I have to say, of all the, the sports days of the year that you look forward to, as someone that's not an NBA fan, don't get me wrong, I'm not, like, dialed into the TV for this 12-hour period, but I always like having the games on in the background and kind of checking on the score and just kind of seeing what's happening. And it's, and it's different this year because the Christmas Day games – are pretty much going to be, in some cases, the kickoff of the NBA season. Yeah. So uh, while in many times the the Christmas game is kind of close to that midpoint um, of the season, this will be the first time where it really is the beginning of the season. I mean, 
you don't need to be an NBA genius to kind of look at this slate of games and kind of figure out who's going to be really successful and who is going to struggle. But, but that, that's an interesting, uh, an interesting dynamic this time around. And I, and I always do enjoy um, the slate of, of the basketball games on Christmas day. Do you have anything to throw into that conversation? No, it's All a right. solid slate. Good for the NBA. Cool. And hopefully the season works out for him. Hopefully this not having your usual amount of rest, we see no issues, but we don't have this debate. Not that we will have this debate, but I'm sure it'll dominate ESPN because they're so invested in the NBA come February or March where a lot of guys are resting because they didn't have the same amount of off season, same length of off season. Also one thing to point out too, for the rookies coming in, there will be no uh, summer league. So usually all of these teams are playing for almost two months and that's when you're going to see all the rookies and they're going to kind of transition into the NBA. There is none of that this year. They're going right into training camp and right into the season. So it will be interesting to see if any of these, you know, highly sought after first round picks kind of start off a little more sluggish than they might have. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very good point. Um, so we will look forward to that. That is uh, Christmas day, 2020 basketball schedule. Uh, looking a little different uh, this year, obviously due to the current state of uh, the pandemic. Anywho, uh, Dennis, we move on. Um, college football, uh, another big weekend, uh, another weird weekend. Um, I made the point, and if I'm curious what your take is on this, but obviously the college football playoff uh, preview is out there. Um, a lot of teams thought that they could probably have a – I mean, based on the way I was looking at it, no one in that top three was really going to lose. Um, I think no one in that really top five or six, in my opinion, was really going to lose. You mean this past weekend? Yeah. Um, that was my outlook on it going into it. Um, I, I do have a problem, and I, I messaged this to you uh, a few days ago, was that Ohio State, having played four games, is still ranked number four in the country. And let's be real, if Ohio State had gotten the opportunity to play the majority of their games, they probably would have been up there if not close to it. But as again, I, and I use this exact like kind of explanation back when I was like, as someone that is not a diehard college football fan, as someone that has his ear on it and kind of knows what's going on, but someone that does not eat, sleep, and breathe college football, explain to me why this would make sense and why it's fair. I don't think it's I don't think it's either. Um, that Ohio State can have less than half of the amount games played as I believe the entire top 10 and still have take the college football playoff spot away from another team in that top 10. Well, and then easy, I want your easy answer. It's not fair, but this is a year where we know nothing has been fair. We've just had to live with what we've gotten. I will say this, and I don't know if you know who Brett McMurphy is, who's stadium. He's like a, he's a college football writer, analyst, whatever. He made, this ana- he made this analogy. What? I just saw your tweet. What tweet? Uh, you were tweeting at him or retweeting something. Ah, yes. About him. Yeah. Well, he made this analogy, and I thought it was pretty good, where how do we judge Ohio State? Because right now the argument is, why isn't Texas A&M, who has only one loss this year, and it's to the number one team in the country, Alabama, they had beat Florida, who's the number five team in the country right now, and looks – as ready to go into the SEC title game and 
probably can score just enough to battle Alabama. No one right now thinks they're going to beat them, but they can at least go toe-to-toe with them. Their offense is that good, especially getting Kyle Pitts back. If you watch the game this past weekend, he returns for the first time in three weeks, catches three touchdown passes. So the offense is back and humming, and they're good to go. Uh, But for Ohio State, he made the analogy, let's list off your four favorite restaurants. But let's say that one of your four favorite restaurants, you don't get to go to that often. But you're not going to choose that favorite restaurant more than someplace that's, eh. Ohio State is still one of the top four teams in the country. Now, people are, ju- people are judging them. Go ahead. What? I was going to say, I just want to interject. I get that. And that's very clever. But I'm also thinking, say your favorite restaurant were to shut down for a period of time or, or something like that. Your favorite cook, get, your favorite chef gets fired, your favorite bartender, server, whatever. Or during that period, you accidentally stumble upon or your friend brings you to another restaurant. And you're like, wow. Like, just because I, I wasn't able to go to this restaurant for a while. Now I like really like this one. Or Sally, my favorite bartender or server, doesn't work at the restaurant anymore. My favorite cook who made my burgers the best or my pasta the best isn't there anymore. This could all this those could all happen. It's a valid response to my dumb little analogy that well, it's not even mine. I'm stealing it from him because I thought okay. it was really good, giving credit. But they're still one of the best four teams in the country. The issue people are having is they haven't played any, anyone that's very good. Now they've beaten a top 10 team. Indiana was top 10 when they played them. Indiana is, you know, after that, they're right outside the top 10, but they almost lost the game. They let Indiana come back in the second half. They only won by seven points. So for the average college football fan who sees the scoreboard and says, all right, you've beaten them, you've beaten them, you've beaten them. The big 10 is having a bad year. We had Ellis on our good buddy, Ellis Gill on the program. He took shots at James Franklin. It's not just Penn state who, by the way, just beat Michigan. They're having an awful year as well. There are teams like Maryland who are playing better. Northwestern was in the top 10 beat a Wisconsin team that just two weeks ago was deemed unfit for the big 10 title game because they had missed three games in the year, meaning they will not reach the threshold of six total games played. That's the threshold that the big 10 athletic directors voted on. You need, six games played to reach the conference championship game. Ohio state is currently teetering on that because they had their own issues this week. looks like it's all systems go, but again, it's only Thursday night as of this recording. And we have seen games late Thursday and Friday and on Saturday morning, Florida state Clemson was canceled Saturday morning. We have seen games canceled. We don't know. Michigan went virtual on Tuesday. They now completely shut down. Ohio state's next opponent is Michigan. So if they don't play these two games, they will have missed three and they are not eligible for the big and 10 North, title game. So people are talking, people are talking about this. And Northwestern beat your boy or lost to your boys, Michigan state. My boys. Yeah. They're not. How are they? My boys. They're your boys. You live in Michigan. They're your boys. You might've gone into Orlando for just a smidge. You might've got to the bouncy cast castle, whatever they call that UCF stadium down there uh, for a little, cast. but you went back to your true, Roots, Michigan, Lansing. It's not my true roots. Also, big win for I, them. They knock off a top 10 team. That's how much of a mess the Big Ten is this year. 
I went back to my true roots, it would be like those days going to the Yale Bowl and watching Yale Bulldogs games. Those were the Ivy League may never play again, so you were, you oh, might yeah. never get to watch them again. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really able to watch them before that. <laughs> Where I'm trying to go here with Ohio State is people are making the argument for Texas A&M because they've played more. There's more of a body of work. The eye test has never been more important this year for the College Football Playoff Committee. Complete transparency is needed from them in what they are seeing. And they are saying right now that the offense for Ohio State is more electrifying and more remnant of what constitutes a top four team in the country, as opposed to Texas A&M, whose offense looks awful. They put up 20 points against a very bad LSU team on Saturday. Seven of those points were a defensive score, so let's just give them 14. They're not having a good year offensively. Kellen Mons had like two good games, one of which was against Florida, so that's good, but it would be Florida on a game-winning field goal at home in College Station. And they had fans there. So there was a little bit of an atmosphere. That was when, which seems like years ago at this point, when Dan Mullen was like, we got to pack the swamp. I want a home field advantage. And then Florida got a bunch of people that got COVID like the Tuesday later, and they had to cancel that coming week. That was a mess too. But Ohio State for now, you cannot punish them for not being able to play you can't punish them for starting late. That's the big tens decision. It's not their decision. So they have done everything that is asked of them, go out there and win football games. Now everyone's going to remember a couple of years ago when they lose to Purdue years before that, they lost to Penn state, Penn state's a better team. Purdue was an awful, that was an awful loss that knocked them out of the college football playoff altogether. They still got in the year they lost to Penn state, but still a loss. That's why we play the games because you don't know what's going to happen. But for right now, as long as Ohio State can go on the, get on the field and win games, it should help them. It would help them if they win it more convincingly because it could leap them into the number three seed as opposed to probably the winner of Notre Dame-Clemson getting the three seed, which that's a whole other can of worms because Notre Dame is in the ACC title game because they will not make up their game against Wake Forest, and then they will not add a game on December 12th. Uh well, and, then it, and then Clemson will not make up their game against Florida State. So they will, they have not canceled their final game. But due to tiebreakers, Notre Dame is already in the ACC title game. I understand everything you said about Ohio State. Again, it's not fair. It's not like I, I get that, but it's hard grappling with like when you're saying like Texas AM, like how, how they've not looked when, when Ohio State gets a chance to be on the field. They're two completely different teams. And I don't disagree with you on that. It's just tough to grapple with a. It's like, well, the team that just looked rough in this one game offensively. That's not even me saying that. That's literally the committee members. No, and I, I, and I, I understand that. It's just it's uh, that where I'm coming from is someone that is not like like again. I'm I'm not spending twelve plus hours watching college football. It's just I think I'm coming with an outside perspective where when you're trying to an outside fan trying to get hyped up about the end of college football and the college football playoff it's tough to be like oh this team that had a bad offensive performance should miss out because the team that hasn't even played a game it's tough i understand it i don't disagree with you on it it's just tough to grapple with that but i'll, I'll ask you this before we move on to nfl college football rankings as i see them now the crimson tide still holding on to the number one seed notre dame at number two clemson at three ohio state at four in your opinion with i believe Two games left of the college football season. Knock on wood. We'll see if that how that works for certain programs. Is that how you see the college football playoff shaping up? Do or 
do those uh, positions change? The, so it's tough because I really think there is a way with Clemson having Trevor Lawrence, if Notre Dame keeps it close and even in a loss that they still both get in. Ohio state needs to play their final two games. If they don't play their final two games, look, I honestly believe we're going to see this. If they can't play for some reason this weekend, or if Michigan, who unfortunately is dealing with some serious COVID issues right now inside their university, if they can't play, the big 10 is going to change course. They will change rules. They will get Ohio state a game. The big 10 cannot afford to have Ohio state not play in the big 10 title game. I know that sounds weird. How are you going to, change these rules. Nebraska literally the second week of the year had a game canceled and they wanted to play a non-conference opponent. And they said, no, they were looking for someone within their state or they could have taken a bus ride, not even someone from all over the country. It was going to be a Midwestern uh, group of five team. And they said, no, we're only playing in conference. That's how it's going to be. We've already argued about this, like why they can play Maryland, but they can't, Iowa can't play Iowa state. It makes no sense, but that's the decision that they made. why Temple couldn't play Rutgers, but Iowa yeah. couldn't play Iowa State. They need, they need to prioritize the college football playoff because in a year like this, just getting to the playoff is generating millions of dollars for that conference. So they will prioritize getting their best opportunity in the playoff, and that's Ohio State because everybody else is eliminated. It's possible that if Ohio State can't play, Indiana runs the table and they don't have to miss any games and they win, Indiana will then move in but then Indiana is not going to be beating a great team. They're not going to be beating an undefeated team. It might be Northwestern. If they hang on, it might Wisconsin already been eliminated. So, and they're going to have one loss and they're going to have a loss to a team. That's probably going to be undefeated, but just doesn't have enough games played. So would you, would the committee really put a one loss big 10 team in when looking at a Notre Dame and Clemson team who both might have one loss Hell, what if Florida beats Alabama in the SEC title game? Just because Bama loses that game, if, it's, it's, if they lose, they're probably going to lose close. They're not going to get smoked. This isn't going to be a situation like last year where LSU just steamrolls it over everybody. So do you put both of them in? I think that's what it comes down to. It's just people are making the argument for Oklahoma. Oklahoma's got two losses. Well, right now, the way the committee has teams ranked, they're setting up for the Big 12 title game to be a top 10 matchup between Iowa State and Oklahoma. If Oklahoma keeps kicking the crap out of everybody by 40, they just beat a top 15 team in Oklahoma state. They made them look like they were a group of five team. They slaughtered them both offensively and defensively. Oklahoma keeps doing this. And then they play an Iowa state team who was beaten Oklahoma this year. And they beat them by 30. Is it tough to make that argument? They're a conference champ. They got two losses, but if this other chaos happens, if this if Ohio state can't play enough games and get to a big 10 title game, I don't know. I, I see, I see it changing a little bit. I see the winner of Notre Dame Clemson is the two seed. I see Ohio state. They're going to do whatever they can to get them to a big 10 title game. They're good enough and we'll run the table. They'll get the three seed. And I think the loser of Notre Dame Clemson gets the four seed. All right. But to be fair, it'll be Notre Dame. If Clemson loses to Notre Dame again, they're out. Their two loss non-conference champ is not getting in. That would open the door for two loss Oklahoma, if they win, if Florida pulls the upset, then probably both a one loss Florida and Alabama gets in. But as long as Clemson wins the ACC title game, like we're assuming, then I think there's still a shot Notre Dame gets in as the four. All right. Well, 
Time will Hopefully tell. Hopefully all that made sense. Nope, that did. That did. Again, it's just. But I understand completely where you're coming from, from the outside perspective, not a diehard college football fan, how messy this season is. And just... this, this was a year where if there was a college football czar, this overall commissioner, this mm-hmm. or the NCAA got off their asses and actually did something for once, where they could have expanded the playoff. Here's 18. Because you know what? A team that I hadn't even mentioned, I'm talking about all these two loss teams maybe getting in with all this chaos happening. Cincinnati is one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. People are saying, why can't Cincinnati and Ohio State play? Look at what BYU and Coastal Carolina accomplished just today. Liberty had COVID issues. College game day is going to Coastal Carolina on Saturday for the I first time ever. You, I could give you one reason why they probably wouldn't want to play Cincinnati. Well, yeah, because if they lose, <laughs> <laughs> if they lose, it hurts them. They're probably not going to make the college football playoff. But Cincinnati but, and if I absolutely can... make the college football playoff. If I can just add to that point, which I wasn't even thinking of, you're, that, that's why Ohio State would not want to play Cincinnati because the chances of them losing are too high. And I will say, isn't it funny how the American is such a bad conference until you actually have to play them for a meaningful game? Then, then, it's, then it's too good. We've talked about the American plenty on it. They're the, by far the best group of five conference. Yeah, we, we will see. I'll, I'll end it on this. We still have a lot to get to, but I'll, I'll say again, just from this perspective, it's it's – it's t- like if, if Ohio State missed one or two games all year when it was said and done, like I could understand it. Like, absolutely. Like, it would make sense if they're w- one and two games missed and they're undefeated and they're playing the way Ohio State was playing when they had their four games. I get it. But it's just tough for me to four games and everyone else is at eight or nine right now. Um, anywho, Dennis, here, we'll keep it collegiately really quick uh, before we get to the NFL. Um, Big word. Uh, collegiately. Um, I could probably spell it. I like too. the way you've emphasized that. Hey. Hot. Um, <laughs> the other major sport in college athletics, college basketball, has kicked off, and this is another or tipped off, if you will. Tipped off. Um, <laughs> thank you. This is another uh sport, another because they don't uh, kick, it's a violation that's already having a lot of trouble. Uh, we'll use my Temple Owls one as an example, and it's not just a Temple problem. This is happening with multiple programs. You multiple- do have COVID issues. Have you played a game yet? Temple has not played a game yet. Um, Temple. We have. We lost to your boys. Temple. Um, you, no, you haven't played Temple. Um, Michigan uh, State. Yeah, no, my boys are Temple, so you haven't played them oh. yet. Um, anywho, um, yeah, Temple was supposed to play Virginia Tech at Mohegan Sun, which would have been an awesome start to the season. Then we would have played three uh, inner city rivals in LaSalle, Villanova, and St. Joseph's back to back to back. All canceled because someone that we don't know if it was a coaching staff or a player got tested uh, positive for coronavirus. And now all the games because of the quarantine uh, precautions, the CDC guidelines, when you need a positive to a negative to a positive and when you're in the clear, Temple's games are canceled right up through uh, December 19th when they will play who was supposed to be their first game like a week before Thanksgiving. In, well, is uh, any of that changing though? Because – they ju- the CDC just changed the quarantine from 14 to 10 days. Yeah, I, I think it's something else that's I, – I think someone it's else – To be not- fair, it's a yeah. contact tracing thing. So if you had positive yeah. cases, it kind of doesn't affect you. But I'm sure there's other things at play, but Temple has canceled everything up to the 19th when they'll play the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Um, That'll be a barn burner. But yeah, I was I was honestly looking forward to that. They, they had a tournament they were going out to Hawaii for. That's obviously not going to happen. But, the Maui Invitational that took place in North Carolina this year? No, it was a different one, and uh, it was supposed to be in Honolulu. It wasn't the Maui Invitational. But um, 
Yeah, anywho, and that's not just a Temple thing. It's happening in programs, and here we go again. Um, and uh, it, it's there was more traveling than I thought it was. Um, these the basketball tournaments usually kick off the league. Seem to happen, seem to happen without much issue. But there were certain situations where, like you mentioned, your boy is Michigan State uh, playing against Duke. That game was at Cameron Indoor when uh, the Kansas-Kentucky uh, game was held in Indianapolis at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, where that tournament was supposed to completely take place. Um, but anywho, uh, big news coming out that it is being planned that the NCAA tournament will be held completely in Indianapolis. Um, the details of what that looks like, I don't really know, but as we mentioned, Dennis, for the air, this is a COVID uh, precaution and so that all teams can take on some type of, I'm assuming, bubble type scenario as we've seen different leagues and different sports do. Uh, to my knowledge, the tournament's supposed to happen around the same dates. And I mean, with, with good news, it seems slowly but surely coming out about vaccines from different uh, manufacturers. You would hope that by the middle of March, the worst of this is behind us and we're headed in a positive direction. The tournament will probably happen in one city regardless, but hopefully we can have it. Hopefully once these kind of initial issues with COVID that like Temple are dealing with, hopefully when that's done, we can have a full season. We can play entire conference seasons, and then we can have an idea of of what the tournament will look like. Yeah, uh, college basketball is going to have a rough a rough go about it. I don't think anyone would assume otherwise. It's going to seem like it's worse than it is, and that's just because there are more games. Like you saying, Temple can't play till December 9th. That's a big deal. 19th. We're talking nineteen. Okay. We're talking about three weeks, four weeks or so from when they would. So we're talking about a lot of games there, but the issue is that we're talking about 30 to 35 per program that they're going to get in a year. So we're talking about football teams who are missing two games, three games. I mean, hell Houston, those poor SOBs, they just released their schedule because they had another game canceled against SMU. They've literally played four of their like scheduled 12 games this year. They've just had a rough go about it. That's bad. College football looks bad when you're playing a 10-game schedule and you can't play 30% of it. Basketball is probably going to be about the same, but you're going to miss 10 or 12 games in your 35-game schedule. So it's just going to seem day-to-day, week-by-week worse than what football is dealing with. But I, I think, I mean, they're already going through this. I think they can get through it. They will absolutely have a full NCAA March Madness tournament. They cannot afford not to. These universities, I mean, they can't afford to take the losses of, we're talking billions of dollars again. It just won't happen. They won't let it happen. They will bubble. We saw the bubble work in MLS. We saw it work in the NBA. We saw it work in the NHL. It does work as long as these kids are in one vicinity. We're not going out partying afterwards. You don't throw in the aspect of uh, college life with the social aspects. It will work. It will go off, hopefully knock on wood without a hitch. And it should. This is the bubble. We've seen the bubble work. How we get there is as good a guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I pray for all of these teams because 
I know they're not just going to shut it down completely. That won't happen because they have to get to a tournament. They're not just going to be, all right, let's just pick these teams that usually make the tournament and you guys are going to Indiana and play. Like we need, we need reports. We need data. We need data points for, you can't just throw teams in a hat, pick them out. Although that would be a fun selection show special with Reese Davis and Jay Billish and everybody. But there's, there's Temple with the 14 seed. They were, did a really great job of contract tracing, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna be in the uh, tissues region, while uh, this team is taking on the cough region. Uh-huh. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> but <laughs> back to hold on, Dennis. But back to back to the tournament for a second. Uh, I'm just curious about the details of how. I don't I don't disagree. I think that's a I think it's a good idea. I'm honestly surprised that this idea hasn't been floated around for just tournaments pre-COVID. Honestly, um, obviously it was tough to do that this past time around because we were literally learning about this virus as like college basketball conference tournament games. Literally, what was it, St. John's or Seton Hall or someone that played? Yeah, they called the game at halftime. And then they called the game at halftime. It, it, it wasn't like the power went out in the stadium or there was just a, a tornado headed for the for the arena. There was, just, there was a virus that was taking over the whole world that apparently wasn't bad enough 20 minutes before <laughs> to cancel it at halftime. But, I mean, in this idea, I just think about, and there's there's some things that are kind of bummers because I think the, the region's setup is awesome. I think going to play different arenas, like when I lived in Florida and the tournament came through Orlando to go to the Amway and you would buy the ticket for the game you wanted to see. But in that you got the other games that were like that day or in that kind of time span. And I think that was awesome. And then you go up to the XL center in Hartford and that's the next or whatever. And I, I think that that was always like a really cool thing for basketball. It was, it was cool to just kind of show how expansive the tournament was not only because of obviously how many teams there are but how many different arenas how many different university sponsors were a part of it and and how it all the road led to the final four like there was an actual road it wasn't just a metaphor it was these teams are traveling across the country bringing their fans with them to make it to the final four to make it to the uh, the ncaa final so i mean obviously we're not going to have that geographical aspect of it but I'm curious how NCA does this. I'm curious how the city of Indianapolis does this, which I was there a lot a month and a half ago or so, which was actually quite a pleasant place. I never really thought of, let me get to Indianapolis. That's where everything's going on. Never thought of that once. It's kind of like one of those flyover states, Midwestern cities yeah. that are like, this is a legit city. It's cool to be here. And yeah. there's not a billion people. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the neighborhoods right outside the city were awesome. The, the, there's a whole bustling downtown area with bars and restaurants and shops and the whole thing. And the stadium is like right there towering over everything and like Lucas Oil Stadium. And Someone's baking a pie, letting it cool on their windowsill. Yeah, sure. I think it was a little too chilly at that point. But um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's I'm curious, would they because the Lucas Oil Stadium will be the home, I'm pretty certain of the final four. But they have the Bankers Life Fieldhouse, which is, of course, home to the Indiana Pacers. Then there's some other venues there, like where like Butler plays in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the, the biggest of the Indianapolis schools um, with like large athletic. I mean, programs. there's also no reason they can't play at Indiana. Well, in Indiana. I mean, but then you're looking at making it an Indiana thing because Bloomington isn't like 
Right. Well, I'm, I'm just saying it. I mean, it, as long as we're talking about 64 teams here. That's so. what that's that's what I'm saying. Because you run. I mean, you start the games. Even say you start a little early at like 11 a.m. or something, and have games going through midnight. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis is in the Eastern Time Zone. I, I would assume there's a game going on at Lucas Oil Stadium, and they use that the whole tournament. And there's like a game there. Meanwhile, there's a game down the street at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Then there's a game going on at Butler's campus. And then you have three arenas there having games 11 a.m. through midnight, day after day after day. I think to pull that off, you would need more venues. Yeah, I agree. That's what I don't think you could do that in three venues to do 12 hours of games. I, I could be wrong. I don't have this written down in front. And that's of me. why I don't, you could bubble it. And I'm sure we'll talk about this as we get into 2021 and you know we move through football and basketball really ramps up. But to me, there's no reason why you can't house it. Like they were talking, there were the rumors of Mohegan Sun. Shut down Mohegan Sun, rent out the whole hotel rooms to the players, and they're going to play in that arena. And then you literally keep them apart from the rest of the operation, and they're literally going from hotel to the arena. And that's yeah. the only interaction with the outside world that they have. Sucks that's the predicament we're in. You could do that all over the country. You could yeah. take, you could put four regions. We're going to do this in Indiana. We're going to do it in New York. We're going to do it in San Francisco. And then once we get to say the sweet 16, then everybody goes to where the national title game will be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, and again, it sounds like they're setting their ways with this Indianapolis and, and so be it. Like if that makes it happen and it, goes off without a hitch like hey awesome i i just don't see unless they're planning on making like some date and time changes as well like we've known forever that the first day or two of march madness is one of if not the best time of the year you get two days of just best time of the year well thursday friday is like unlike anything else 12 plus hours of basketball multiple games at the exact same time for two pretty much four days with the first and second round and you're if, if it's if it's just Indianapolis, I don't see how they're able to do that same format. I, I don't see it. I think like the first round would have to be stretched over at least three or four days. Well, that's the thing. I understand that they want you somewhat own the weekend. You do Thursday through Sunday, but nobody said you can't do it Tuesday through Sunday. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think assuming this is what happens and it stays in Indianapolis, you're going to need some more venues other than just Bankers Life Fieldhouse lucas oil stadium i don't know if maybe you split lucas oil stadium in half and you got one game going on over here and the other games happen over here and you put a put like a big uh, sheet down like they did when we were in yeah. aau basketball yeah like i don't know if, if that's what you do another thing is do you allow fans how do you get fans in and out of these venues when there's a game ending every i think i mean i think it's too far away to speculate i think they will try but i mean we have the rose bowl and fiesta bowl announced today there will not be fans Mm-hmm. They are the two first round matchups for the college football playoff. So it's massive. Yeah. We're talking about the biggest venues for this college sport. There will not be fans at the semifinal games. Yeah. So, well, um, good thing we have plenty of uh, time to figure that out. And again, like I mentioned, it sounds like, and I knock on wood and I say this with hesitation, um, or, I guess better yet with nervous optimism that it seems like vaccines are slowly but surely starting to get out and we're learning more about that timetable. So let's hope. I think 
I'm not an expert, obviously, but let's hope if nothing else, there's some peace of mind that comes with it. And we can slowly but surely start kind of getting life going again. And then we will see. We're coming up on one year, Dennis. I think in February is when our show started talking about this. And uh, in a few weeks, it'll be Christmas. And if, a week or so after that, it'll be the year 2021. So can't get much worse, Ooh. right? 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 Can't, can't, can't be any worse. I mean, one would hope not or assume not. I will say, though, what a redemption story it's going to be for 2021 for it to probably suck early on. And then it's going to be like, 2021 is the best year ever. 2021 comes back in the second half. and yeah. Not going to lie, they had us in the first half. I was about to say, to make 2021 the best year ever, it doesn't have to do much. Literally nothing could happen. And it Hey, guys, be- you can go outside. 2021 is the best. Yeah. Yeah, go have a beer or something. All right. Anywho, Dennis, we move on to uh, the New York. And actually, let me stop myself there. The first place, New York football giants. Put put some respect on it. I didn't look it up. I don't remember. And we didn't have a podcast the last time uh, this happened. I don't remember the last time you were able to say first place, New York football giants. I think it's at least been a few years, unless you consider week one before the games were over. And we were in a four-place tie for first place. I don't consider that. I mean, maybe 2016. We won this three-game win streak for the first time since 2016. So, yeah. Well, uh, Dennis, the New York Football Giants are in first place. They uh, defeated the Cincinnati Bengals, as I believe we both thought they would, even with Joe Burrow. And I thought they were probably going to beat Cincinnati with Joe Burrow out. I said there's no reason we should not beat Cincinnati. Um, we beat Cincinnati and just really quick, just to, to, we'll go into the NFC standings, obviously, and all that, but the other things that needed to happen for the giants to be in first happened. Um, the Eagles lost to Seattle, as I think we all expected them to do. Didn't cover the um, spread though. Seattle's that was very team. funny to wake up to Monday. Be... They did not, um, go, them going for two. What a bunch of jerks. Yep. Um, and the Washington football in complete team, Philly fashion. The Washington football team on Thanksgiving not only beats Dallas, but manhandles Dallas on Thanksgiving. I yep. will say we were going back and forth from like some Christmas movies because uh, that was Thanksgiving night or whatever Eve ish. Yeah. It was afternoon. And it was fairly competitive back and forth, and then turned it and turned it back, and it was like forty-one to sixteen. And my dad, who had had a couple of glasses of whiskey, was like yelling at me, screaming at me, obscenities. Things that are not nice to be said on the Matt and Dennis podcast that apparently we missed a bunch of scoring. And I was like, oh, I apologize. Home Alone's on Freeform. Let's bring him on the show to talk about it. <laughs> Let's you might not up. even remember it. Well, anywho, like I said, Dennis, yes, the Giants are first place and uh, against the Bengals, as you do most weeks. And you say, hey, you know, I kind of tapped out of it. I didn't watch it that much. I was watching. Rams. I didn't watch a single snap. I was at the Orlando City game. Um, so once I kind of realized Orlando, I, I got to watch the first quarter. Um, uh, it was tied at 10 by the time I went to the game, the Orlando soccer game. And then by the time I realized it was probably out of Orlando city's reach, I was able to pull up a a stream on my phone and I watched it from, uh, the soccer game, uh, a sloppy game. I would have liked to see more. Um, and I'll get to the elephant in the room in a second. Um, I would have liked to see more, but the defense again, whether it's Cincinnati or, or whether it's Pittsburgh, 
the defense has shown up week in, nearly week in, week out, and I've always given them probably credit before anyone else on that team. Um, Evan Ingram had a moment or two there where he kind of looked like Evan Ingram of the past year, but then he had a few, like, he got our offense going. He got us on the board quick. Uh, big pass from Daniel Jones. Uh, I believe it was Dion Lewis or Wayne Gallman. Was it Wayne Gallman or was it Dion? Wayne Gallman, I think. Uh, who like, touchdown? Yeah. On fourth down, yeah, it was Gallman. Yeah, yeah, it was Wayne Gallman. Um, again, ugly game. Giants eventually do run away with it. And I think the reason, one of the reasons why it could have been uh, prettier was unfortunately Daniel Jones uh, does go down with a hamstring injury. And uh, at first you're like, oh, crap. Uh, our worst fears realized here we go and then he comes back on you're like oh must have just must have just pulled something really quick but he stretched on the sideline Pull cramp. yeah then he gets back out there and Pull stretching and eat a banana forget the, the pass was too and then you see him immediately grab his leg and go back down and like you could see him like he wanted to finish the play but he couldn't could barely move his legs and uh enter colt mccoy and uh, Colt McCoy did not look good. And uh, saw a lot of stuff like interviews from the players after the game. And it's like, it's like, no, like once Colt went in there, we knew he, he's been preparing for this. Like we knew, like he got it. He knew he could carry us. I'm like, I don't think he carried anyone. Um, thank goodness that we have Graham Gano on our team. But Dennis, I'll get your initial thoughts. Uh, the Daniel Jones injury, which you don't want to see anyone injured, especially our starting quarterback. But fortunately, it looks like it was a hamstring strain, which while he may or may miss some time, we could get more into that. It's nothing too serious. He should be back um, before the season's over. Um, and I, I would also say, as someone that's been a vocal supporter of Daniel Jones for a long time, I got very critical of him weeks ago um, when he could not hold on to the ball to save his life. Um, but I just think it's funny how everyone was saying we couldn't get rid of Daniel Jones fast enough. Tank for Trevor, tank for Trevor. And now Daniel Jones might be out for a week. And everyone's like, oh, no, Daniel Jones, what are we going to do? And I think the full circle, how that came full circle is fantastic. And I eat that up. Um, and it's delicious. Um, but Dennis, your, your initial thoughts. Yeah, I'll start just from where you were saying memes and tweets never hit closer to home as far as Daniel Jones is concerned. Cause yes, I was leading the uh, small, but vocal parade of tank for tank for Trevor or tank for Trevor Ites or tank for Trevor Ites. I think that's what we're going to call ourselves. Uh, just because look, I knew how much better Trevor Lawrence is going to be in this league than Daniel Jones. Not to say that Daniel Jones was an awful quarterback. He just made a lot of mistakes, made bad decisions. I never saw improvement. But with that said, I would never want to see Colt McCoy come in to replace Daniel Jones. <laughs> so all these people, like the people that wanted Trevor Lawrence and are done with Daniel Jones, now he's their savior. Of course he's our savior. We have Colt freaking McCoy as the backup. That's not an option. Also, if this would have happened week five or six when we were banging down the doors for Tank for Trevor, we would have been like, this is it. This is our opportunity. We have one win on the year. We're going to tank. We're going to enter ourselves in the conversation with the winless Jets. Who would have thought that they would still not have a win at this point? Matt, you can raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's so it's a huge bummer. It's 
typical Giants fashion to me. I didn't watch a down of this football game. I went back and watched the highlights. NFL.com does this awesome thing where you kind of go back and watch. They put like the best highlights and all the scoring plays in like these 10 to 15 minute videos. I've actually watched them a few times this year, even games that I have watched just to see like some extra things just for us to talk about. So that's what I watched. And I didn't realize how early on in the game he got hurt. So that leads me into big time props to the defense. Now, look, I understand. I don't even know who was playing quarterback for Cincinnati. Allen. So who's Allen though? That was like Blake Allen. I don't even know who the hell it is. Like, Regardless, of course, he throws a touchdown pass to T Higgins. Could have used those fantasy points, but he was on my bench. Another week, made the wrong decisions. I'm not going to make the playoffs. It is what it is. But the defense again. Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen. All right. I don't know who you are. Sorry. Uh, but the defense came through. A couple more clutch turnovers. Again, a turnover to seal it late. That's huge. It's, it it just scary. keeps going that they're – it did. It looked like when I got text messages that the Giants are going to blow this game. I'm like, here we go again. The defense is trying their hardest to hold on, but this offense can't muster up any points. And I'm not, I'm not going to put all the blame on Colt McCoy. You could compare for, prepare for this situation. You've been in the league a long time. You were a starter in this league for a number of years. So he can come in. He's not going to deliver – Right. The other guys have to step up. We need breaks to happen. The run game has to really get going. But the defense, again, it just shows what this team is made of. And my biggest take, second, it's not that huge, but Evan Ingram, I applaud you. You look like the safety blanket that Daniel Jones has needed. You're still doing some Evan Ingram things that I'm not happy with. But at times, even, Daniel Jones is thrown behind receivers. And he's looking at you a bunch of times during the game. And unfortunately you're getting thrown, you're getting balls that are thrown behind you and you can't do much about it. It's not completely on you, but you're making uh, 50, 50 catches. You're getting big time throw, getting the, the moving the offense down the field. So he looks better for as much as we trashed him for as much as I threw him off the bandwagon that is giants fans again after that eagle game and we blew the game and the season is over now how do we come back from this he stepped up so i commend evan ingram for what he has done the past couple of weeks but the biggest takeaway is the joe judge essence that is this team it just shows week in and week out that and i hope matt that we don't eat crow on this and i hope that giant fans don't really start believing and then we get kicked in the nuts as we usually do and something goes terribly wrong with Joe judge. And he just turns out not to be the coach that we all think he is going to be because he has turned, like I said, this lovable bunch of losers week four or five, whenever I said that they're fighting game in and game out. And I know it's the Bengals and the Bengals aren't a good team and they didn't have their stark starting quarterback. The Bengals have been in a lot of games this year. They still have weapons on offense. Our defense isn't, top notch. There's a reason we only have four wins this year, but they came to play. They make the plays that they have to look also just the guts for Evan Ingram to get us down the field on that big catch from Jones. It's a fourth and goal. That's a typical giant drive. Get all the way down the field, big play stall out at the goal line. Nah, hell with this. We're going forward on fourth down. Goldman soars into the end zone big time. I would have sucked if he didn't get it. What do you have to lose? We're tied zero zero at that point where 
halfway through the first quarter, just go for it. They do. It works out. You're in plus territory. They went for it on fourth down in like the third quarter, maybe. Got it there too. So there's just a little extra guts. There's, I don't know, just there's something about this team where it just looks like they're not going to quit. And I think that has a lot to do with what Joe Judge has installed into this program this year. Yeah. Then a few responses to some of the things you said. I'll just take that one first. I completely agree with you. And we've been talking week in, week out about Joe Judge. And when we look at our record, forget the standings, forget that the Giants are in first for a second, because in any division and pretty much any other time in football, we would be in last. Um, and we always talk about the Ben McAdoo era, the Pat Shermer era, where this team was bad. Other like there was one year with McAdoo where I think we made the wild card, but it was still not a good team. And uh, we were just we were really bad. That was his first year. That was the 2016 yeah. against the Packers. Yeah. Um, and then he had the same team the next year, and we fell off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's and we're still like we still don't have a great record. We're still overall not like that great of a team. Everyone, whether it's the fans, whether it's the team itself, whether it's sports experts that get paid to, to, to make these takes, everyone sees something different in this Giants team. Like you mentioned, they see a Giants team that can fight and hang in there. There is one game, 11 games in, one game that the Giants had no business in winning. None. And that was the San Francisco game, which still boggles my mind because we were healthy for the most part and San Francisco was on like their C team. So that one still boggles my mind. I don't know even at the end of the season if I'll understand that one, but that was the only game. It's amazing that now that game looks like an outlier. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I I think that's a testament to what, to what Joe judge has done here. I'll eat my crow. Like you said, if, if we are wrong, but he has this team believing and, and and I got to say for a first place, and I posted a meme about this, uh, the, the, other bunny. Day, the Bugs Bunny one where it's like, yeah, we're four and seven. If the Giants win the division and get a, someone in this division is going to the playoffs and someone in this division is going to have a home playoff game and the rest of the NFL is going to say this isn't fair and point their fingers and laugh. And I don't care. We're going to be in the playoffs. But if it's the Giants being in the playoffs and they will have deserved to be in that playoff because they did what they had to do in their division to get there. They won games that they needed to win. They got it done and they got there. And again, like let's just use this past week against Cincinnati. You talked about the defense always having to kind of be there. When Cincinnati's going downfield, whether it's their backup or third string, fourth string, and they get the ball probably was close to the 50. It was like the 48, their own, 48-yard line, the 50-yard line, something like that. They're going downfield. Any other Giants team under the McAdoo or Shermer era, even maybe the first few weeks of the season, I'm like, we are losing this game. No doubt in my mind. And I still didn't feel good about it this past week, don't get me wrong. But what we've seen, the growth that we've seen from this team and the will to fight and find ways to win, I was pretty confident that we could still find a way to stop Cincinnati. And I would have never felt that way last year or the year before and that I think there's something to, to be said about that um you mentioned Colt McCoy and Colt McCoy like me he's not there to win games for the Giants and Daniel Jones presence he's not there he's he's there to pretty much stop the flood and and 
like put a small bandaid on on like a on a big injury. He's he's there to hand the ball off, maybe make a couple screen passes, get us some yards. If my honest opinion for Daniel Jones this week, I would say even if Saturday Daniel Jones tells Joe Judge that he is good to go and he's hundred percent fine, I probably still wouldn't play him. Because I don't think even with Daniel Jones, I think Seattle is that much better of a team than the Giants are. I don't think we'd have a chance with a healthy Daniel Jones in there any, anyway. So for me personally, I wouldn't risk it. And I would leave Colt McCoy in there. I think I think Colt McCoy, again, I think Colt McCoy can keep the Giants in a game. I don't expect Colt McCoy to take them to victory and have any highlight reel plays the next morning. But again, I think if our running game plays well, I think if our, our receiving core – especially Evan Ingram can get some additional yards off of a small pass play. Who knows? But again, I, I wasn't confident with the Giants beating Seattle with Daniel Jones even in. So I would obviously I'd love to see him in there, but if he's like 80 something percent, 75%, something like that, I don't think there's any point in, in, in putting him in there. I agree. To a certain extent, I mean, I, I agree not playing him. From the Giants' perspective, from Joe Judge's perspective, they're not going it in with the mindset of a fan where we know Seattle is better, we're playing on the road, whatever that's worth. We're not expected to win this game, so why risk it? I understand that. But at the same time, he's flying out there for a reason, and Joe Judge made the comment because he's a captain. He wants him, even if he's not playing, he wants him on the sideline to mm-hmm. be there with his brothers and playing. Again, that's Joe Judge. That's the culture that he has brought in to this team. The only reason he's going to stay back in New York is if it's beneficial to him medically to be here. So, well, more than likely, he's going to be on the plane. He's going to be in Seattle. Look, Seattle hasn't really impressed me the last couple of weeks. It's amazing what's happening to this giant schedule down the stretch because, honestly, Cleveland might be the toughest test for the Giants down the stretch right now. Look, they're a playoff team right now. Right now, they'd be hosting Arizona. Are you telling me Arizona making the trip to the East Coast is that much better right now than the Giants for what we have seen them look like? They just lost to a fairly bad New England team. They couldn't really score on them. What's the best thing the Giants have going for them defensively? I believe right now that the Giants could draw up a defensive scheme good enough to slow down Arizona enough. Not completely probably not beat them, but slow them down enough. And if by some miracle, the Giants start scoring some points, you're not telling me that they're not going to be in this game. The way Seattle looked in Philly, Philly's a bad football team. Philly scores a two-point conversion and loses the game by six. That shouldn't happen. You're telling me the Giants can't do that? They can't be in this game late? Well, Dennis, I told you and Ellis that uh, the Giants would be in the game against Arizona, and you both laughed at me. So, and that was like two weeks ago. <laughs> and it's amazing what's happened to this Cardinal team. It looked like ass. Well, all we right. We laugh at you. It sounded stupid. But you know what? You know what also sounded stupid is that Cleveland's probably going to be a win. Cleveland's got eight wins. They're a playoff team right now. Yeah. Well, we will. So, we'll get. We'll get more into. Um, this specific game when we when we jump into our picks but i want to go into the division real quick and i mean here's the giants uh let me pull up their their remaining schedule um all the way down here uh, okay so obviously giants are in seattle four o'clock uh this sunday 
Then the week after that, we're home against the Cardinals. December 20th, we're home against the Cleveland Browns. We go on the road at Baltimore, who also has not looked good. Granted, Lamar Jackson uh, did not play because of uh, coronavirus. And then we're home against a team. They even look good with Lamar Jackson. I wouldn't say they haven't looked good. They haven't looked Baltimore Ravens good. I think they're still better than a lot of teams if Lamar Jackson's in there. I just don't think they were what people thought the Baltimore Ravens would. I agree, but right now you look at the schedule, and I'm sorry, the the team that scares me the most is the Cleveland Browns. I think the team that still scares me the most is the Seattle Seahawks, even with their terrible game, because you're right. Arizona does not scare me right now. And like I said two weeks ago, when you guys were laughing at me, I think the Giants can hang in there. Laugh was warranted. I think the Giants can beat the Browns. I don't see us beating the Ravens, but again, they had a terrible performance. They haven't been the Baltimore Ravens, not even remotely close to what we thought they would be. And then we're home last week of the year. The season could come down to this against the Dallas Cowboy team that has had our number, but now can't get, can't get out of their own way and got smoked in the second half by the Washington football team who the Giants are 2-0 against. And I'm so, sorry, the way we're talking right now, if we're home – not that there's good fans there. There's not going to be the energy there. But, but still. if we have the opportunity to control our own destiny and win a football game week 17 against a division foe like Dallas, if the Giants don't show up and completely own that football game, then that game alone shows me what this season's been about, not the prior 16 weeks. Not the stuff we're talking about right now, this culture, this fight, this continually getting better, this learning how to win. They're learning how to win football games. Since, this, since the Bucks game, where you make the argument that they can win that football game. It's a controversial call at the end. They could have and should have probably won that football game. Since then, evil game excluded, should have won that football game too. This is a team that is learning how to win, finishing mm-hmm. games defensively. If it comes down to that last game, I, I have to assume, especially Joe Judge and his co- coaching staff and our Giants and our Giants defense will not let that happen. I would have to assume. And then – if everything we've seen and, and we were taken for, for fools and suckers, but I have to imagine it gets to that point from what we've seen. And it's not, it's not a, like this one time we've seen it week in and week out. We've seen them get better week in week out. I have to guess that if it came down to that, they would not let that happen. But let's talk more about this division, Dennis right now, as it sits, the giants, obviously in first place sitting right behind them, uh, is the Washington football team with the same record, but obviously um, uh, we hold the tiebreaker on them. We both have the same divisional record. Uh, the Eagles, 3-7-1 uh, uh, with that tie um, against Cincinnati, and right behind them is the Dallas Cowboys, who just look like the most embarrassing team um, by far in this division. I don't even really know how to, I, I just, I, I think the giants, I mean, obviously being in first, they control their own destiny, but I, I think, I think the giants have the easiest path here. And at the last crazy. few weeks, if I, I really think they do. I think it's and Washington. I, I, I mean, I think they're all, I think they're all fairly similar, but I, I think, I think the Giants. Pretty, isn't it, are you looking at the schedule? Isn't it Washington that still gets to play Carolina and San Fran? Let me pull it up. Uh, awkward Pretty silence. Pretty sure they awkward do. Silence, awkward silence. And keep in mind, the Giants have the tiebreaker. That's what's huge. That's absolutely huge. 
Uh, Washington's last few games. They are at Pittsburgh is coming up at San Francisco, home against Seattle, uh, home against Carolina, then at the Eagles. Those are three winnable games. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying – I'm just saying I think the Giants have an easier path. I think the Giants are going to be Cleveland. How can you say Giants, that? I think the Giants are going to be Cleveland. I think the Giants – Outside of Dallas, we're facing teams with winning records. And I think we're going to beat the Arizona Cardinals. But you think that's easier than getting to play Carolina and San Fran? I think with the tiebreaker right now, yes. Okay, that no, <laughs> that well, helps the that right. helps the Giants, but that doesn't mean the path is easier. I'm the, the, the teams the, that Washington is playing are they're worse than what the Giants have to play. Let the me, Giants right now are scheduled to literally play a playoff team every week except Dallas. Washington is going to play two. Washington will play. Pittsburgh and who? Pittsburgh and Seattle. Okay, so two playoff teams. Carolina's not making the playoffs. Now, again, toss-up game because they've looked good in certain weeks. San Fran, if Raheem Mostert's actually going to come back and be at full strength, he looked decent last week. Maybe. Probably not. Maybe. And then Philly – Again, I guess I guess you could say toss up, but Washington at least for now looks better. You could say that the Giants are playing two two playoff teams at this point. We're playing all playoff teams. We're playing four, except for Dallas. Right now, do you mean like guaranteed like first place and sitting in a playoff spot right now, or do you mean you? I mean, I mean, right now, if the season ended, the Giants are playing four playoff teams down the stretch. I don't think that is accurate. We're playing Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland, and Baltimore. Well, actually, I don't know if Baltimore is a playoff team. Right I was now. about to say, I don't. There's multiple that I don't think are playoff teams. There are more teams making the playoffs this year, though. So, playoff picture, and they don't have this information up yet. Oh, here we go. Okay. Um, this is. This is why we should probably spring for a stats and information section. Yeah, we probably should like look at this before we start recording. But what I'm saying, that too, but that's too much. Is, and maybe maybe I shouldn't use the word path. But I think that the likelihood is better for the New York football giants to make the playoffs in the Washington. Fine. I'll allow you to use likelihood because they own the tiebreaker. Does that make you feel better? A little bit. And I think with that tiebreaker, I think the giants can beat Arizona. I think they do beat Cleveland. I think they do beat Dallas. Who else? God damn. Why do I keep Arizona? The... Arizona, Baltimore. Cleveland, Dallas. Thank you. And I think Washington and losing to Seattle and Baltimore. I think Washington, obviously, I have them losing to Pittsburgh. I think they lose to, to San Francisco. I genuinely believe that on the road at San Francisco. I think that's a loss. I think that could be a loss to Philadelphia in the last week of the season, too. But hopefully with the tiebreaker, it does not come down to that. Yeah, and that's why the tiebreaker is so important. And again, I have no faith in the Eagles somehow winning three games because I think that's what it takes. If any of those three teams win three games, that's what wins the division. Yeah, agree. but it's easy, way easier said than done. I think the Giants can get away with two, which I said five games might win the division. Six is what will win. Mm-hmm. Two games is six wins for the Giants. Mm-hmm. So I think, the, I think the division winner could have, yeah, I think the division winner has six games. Yeah, but if to hold some ins- insurance, I mean, if you get to seven games, and then again, this is what we're talking about. We're going to be talking about a team if the Giants get to seven wins. At seven and nine, that was 
your very bullish expectation for this giant team way back when the schedules came out. And I said six and 10 would be a massive improvement. You somehow saw seven wins. Well, I saw seven wins. And I mean, we could. But again, we weren't thinking that would be a playoff team. It would just be like, this is a massive leap. Let's see what this team has. Put the playoff talk aside. If we go from a three win football team to seven wins, even six, six is a nice jump. It's three wins. You're six and 10. All of a sudden, look at the schedule and how many of those games did you have toss ups, win or losses? Quite a few this year. All of a sudden, we're talking about a 500 team. I mean, you could argue we can. Now you're going into 2021. Like, are we a playoff team? You you could argue three of those wins or three of those games we lost should have been wins, and those were all without Saquon Barkley. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if they get two more wins this year, they're at six and ten. Make you could eat you Philly and Tampa Bay right there. That's an eight and eight football team if they win those two games. And that's without Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Then you start playing tit for tat. Okay, how good are they actually? And this is what I'm saying. In 2021, we're going into training camp. Like, let's see what they do in the draft. Let's see if they make any offseason moves. We're a playoff contender. That's the mindset I would have going into a 2021 season. That's the Giants quickly getting back on track. I think that's the best we can hope for. Now, bonus, you get to throw in a playoff game. Because you shouldn't as as a 7-9 and football team even though it's happened more often than we've seen a seven and nine team in the playoffs, but you know, that's just, that's just an extra cherry on top of the whipped cream. Yeah, Dennis. And I mean, and it's not just me, like I'm pulling up here, like percentage chances too. So this isn't like coming out of my rear end, but the giants have a 39% chance um, to win the division, which is most likely next to the ESPN football power index giving them pretty much a 35% chance um, to win the division. So, I mean, it's Where are not, the other teams? Uh, let's see. Is it not a list or do you have to like actually go to the team? An article, yeah. Oh. It's an article that I'm reading through. Um, but anyways, I, yeah, I, I just – I. it's it's really not a biased opinion. I, I think the Giants right now look like the best team in the division. I think they've progressed – uh, the best out of the division, obviously injuries and all that stuff play a factor, but I think the giants have been the best team in the division and the only team that it looks like has a potential chance, assuming the Eagles and Cowboys just wake up overnight, which I don't see happening because that's how bad they've consistently been. Washington, like you mentioned, is the team that would have a good shot at, at winning this division too. But I think the head to head matchup the giants have had, I think the Giants look the best. I think the Giants have a solid chance to win three out of these remaining games. If they don't, like, I'm not going to say, like I mentioned on our last episode, how did I not see that one coming? But yeah, but I think the Giants are playing the best in this division. And again, they have that tiebreaker. And I think if you can get to that Dallas game, week 17, with that tiebreaker in hand, if you're tied with Washington and it comes down to week 17 at home, albeit without fans, I don't see how the Giants defense, especially, and Joe Judge lets them not make the play. I just don't see how that happens. I agree. I totally agree. It's what we said the last time we did a podcast. Joe Burrow is not going to play. I don't see us losing this football game. We might keep it close. We might do giant things and make giant fans sit on the edge of their seats. But that's just going to happen. That's the team we root for. But it's Mm -hmm. still a W. And I will say, like, I'm talking about Washington and why I think they're the second best team. This is like you've said. Yes, I think the Giants by far are the team that has elevated their play through the season. The Cowboys by far are the team that have regressed 
week to week. And that's what is playing a little bit of bias in my head. We're not far removed from a Washington team coming off of the bye and looking like complete garbage against the Giants. And then the same Washington team nearly blowing a game against a very bad Detroit Lion football team. So they come out and they look like world beaters against probably one of the overall worst teams in football right now in Dallas. And then I look at their schedule and I say, okay, they have to be in the running. They're probably second behind the Giants. Close, close second. All these teams are bad. And the issue is I don't want to suck myself in believing that we're not guaranteed, but the favorite, because I am expecting hopefully a close fought game. Maybe Seattle pulls away in the fourth quarter this week. Not going to get any easier the week after that. Not going to get any easier the week after that. I, Not going to get any easier the week after that. I've always you know, been. Hopefully we're in a position where right after Christmas, we're talking about a playoff team. I've always been more optimistic than you, and I think that's because I, I've been caring more about it. And I would not disagree. And you are someone that just says, like, well, how can we be good in, like, five or six years? Where I'm like, no, I'm, I'm alive. I'm to look at the big picture. But I'm like, I'm alive and breathing right now. Give me something to be happy about. And I think that's the difference between you and me. But when I say, and I'm, and I'm like, well, the Giants could, like, make it to the playoffs. And, oh, my goodness, like, this, that, and the other. And we could win the division. Like, if we don't win the division, like you're saying this, like, I don't want to get myself all hyped up that we could win these many games left and make the division. And, and I'm like, I understand. Because I know how, how easily it is for us not to. Right. And like I've mentioned tonight. In my, in my head, real quickly, before you make your point. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like I've mentioned tonight, and like I've mentioned multiple episodes in the past, I have this optimism that the Giants could win this division, all things considered. I have optimism that the Giants could probably win a couple more games than what we think they will the remaining remainder of the season because how they've progressed. Like you and I, we don't need to rehash this wholeheartedly like we have in the past, but I'm excited for to be in first right now. I'm excited for us to get to the playoffs, whether that's five wins, six wins, if that happens, if we're lucky enough to win the division and get there, awesome. Here's the it's still the playoffs. But, Go to Models and get a t-shirt. Right, yeah, that, which some more swag. But here's the thing. If the Giants don't do those things, I'm fine with that. We've rehashed this argument. You and I and Ellis and Kyle and all of us have our disagreements on how important the draft is in the here and now. Worst thing that happens, which, you know, you can make the argument. This is a terrible thing. I tend to make the argument that we've done so poorly in the draft the past few years that to me I'm my stake in that is going lower and lower with every year. But worst case is – Worst case is Giants get a couple more wins under their belt, don't make the playoffs. Or the Giants make the playoffs, lose in the first round, and we get a significantly lower draft pick. But again, I'm not losing sleep in December being in first place over what happens in, in the draft. I just If the Giants had a better history recently of the draft, then maybe I'd, have, I'd be singing a different team. But right now I'm not. And the thing is, Dennis, if the Giants don't win the division – the Washington football team wins the division. Like you're not going to hear me on the next episode being like, I, I can't believe how that happened. Like we had it on a silver platter. How did we not, how did our four win team not finish out the month of December? And get to, you're not going to hear me saying any of that, but you're also not going to take away my optimism when my goal is let's win the division. Let's get to the playoffs. And we're in first place with four wins. Who the hell would have thought 
you and I have rehashed this argument. I'll let you say what you want to say. We don't need to go through all of it again. No. That's that's where my thought process is. I'm not going to lose sleep if the Giants Totally get... justified. And I wouldn't expect you to come on and it's not like we're expecting to make the playoffs. We just have a very good shot at right. making the playoffs. And even if we do, we're not expecting to win that playoff game. Ten, amazing. We've ten seen years, it happen before. Ten years amazing. of failure. The last ten, nearly 10 years of failure, and we have meaningful football in December. That's something I'm going to rejoice, and I don't care how many wins we have or don't have. And I'm to the point where, yes, I do look more at the future, and I do see where can we build on things, and actually when will we be a good football team. Of course. And I'm, I'm out on the draft now. That's where we are this season. Four wins doesn't seem like it, but we're playing for six or seven. That's a back-end top ten, probably a team pick. There are teams in front of us like Denver, Atlanta, the Jets, they're going to be in front of us. That's only to name a few. Hell, the Patriots are going to be right there. So I'm out on the draft. The issue that I see is your optimism can let you down more than it will let me down. Because if we sit here on December 30th and we somehow had a shot and blew the shot, you'll be the one who's 12 Coors Lights deep sitting in the corner shaking like we had it. We had an opportunity. We couldn't do it. Now, the optimism, the optimistic person you are, you will quickly get over it. You'll say your piece and you'll move on to next year. Whereas I'll just be, well, another, another year, another disappointment. I think if I could but jump quickly really- take the positive. Yeah. From what we've seen. Yeah. I think, no, I think that's, a, I think that's a fair point. I think again, and I mean, I set up the, the situation here. If Washington does everything they need to do, we lose to Seattle, we lose to Arizona, we lose to Cleveland, and we get to a Dallas game, and that game means our playoff hopes, and we come out in a home game and a game that could get us in the playoffs, and we just lay an egg. Yep. Yeah. I'll be pretty pissed. Don't get me wrong. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be pretty upset. I'll be pretty bummed out if it gets to that point. But, again, like if we have six wins at the end of the year and we don't make the playoffs – like you mentioned, once that initial, like, I won't be like, how did we not make the playoffs this year? But I'll say, wow, all we had to do was beat Dallas and we could have gotten to the playoffs. Three more wins in the year prior. You take the right. positives from the defense, what the coaching like, staff is doing. My disappointment would not be from an overall look at how the season was and how we progressed. My, my, my disappointment would be if we get in a situation where we just need to beat Dallas at home to make the playoffs and we – lose to Dallas or have this last second heartbreaking like field goal or losing or something like that. There'd be a lot of disappointment there, but it would might be- give up a field goal. You know, Graham Gano is not going to shank one in as time yeah. expires though. That's what I'm saying. Dallas coming downfield with like no time left and like making a field goal to knock us out or something like that. I'd be very disappointed, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be at a lack of trying in a general sense. But Dennis, if you have nothing else, uh, to add you could shake your head yes or no if you do but um i will get to your picks just before we get there um do you have are any of the picks that we'll be making this week or any of them nfc's teams other than the giants obviously uh no okay then i will just say really quick to end on this for the nfc east um and this will be a spoiler alert on my pick for giants seattle i don't see a single team in the nfc East winning this week so i don't see anything changing a little stiff competition this week We'll get to have the same conversation this week. Washington at Pittsburgh. That's that's a I don't see how Washington wins that. 
and Dallas at Baltimore, uh, a get right game, uh, so to speak. You assume Lamar Jackson's healthy and back by then. But Dennis, take it away. All right, Mateo. We'll run through these as quickly as possible. Uh, first off, possibly the easiest one, Las Vegas Raiders traveling to the winless New York Jets. Yeah, Dennis, this is actually um, – I was uh, looking around on DraftKings, uh, just so what some of the wagers are, and uh, they must have this closer than I thought it was because, like, putting a dollar on the Raiders only gets you $4. And that is not – I mean, that's obviously the sign that the Raiders are the favorite, but not as much as I thought they were, so i got to look into that. But, uh, yes, I'm going to take the Raiders. As I've said, uh, I think – I believe all the – did the Jets play the Patriots at the last week of the year? I think they do do they I, I believe they do and i'll pull that up because i've said the only team that i thought the patriot or the jets had a chance of beating was either the patriot or the patriots or the chargers they've already lost to the chargers i'm pulling up the schedule right now yes the jets are at the patriots the last week of the season wouldn't that be something if uh the jets won that game i don't see them doing it but i think that'd be their last shot i don't think the jets are winning a game this year the raiders take this one all right. Yeah, I agree. The Raiders are trying to get into the playoffs. They're sneakily trying to get into the playoffs, so I'll take the Raiders. Uh, next on the list is Giants. Seahawks, you already spoiled your pick. I'm going Seahawks as well just because, look, I think it would be a little bullish if Daniel Jones was healthy. They're rolling. Seattle, they're looking kind of eh the last couple of weeks. With that being said, that would mean the Giants would probably walk in there and just get absolutely waxed. But uh, Seattle, I'm just hoping the Giants keep it close, like within 10. That's what, that's what I would consider a moral victory. Same. Again, I see Seattle winning, but I mean, assuming it's Colt McCoy in there, just uh, no stupid mistakes, Colt. Like, that, that's all I would say. Like, defense yeah. can hold their own and keep us in. We know that for a while, especially considering the performance you mentioned they had against the Eagles. I think defense can keep us in there. I think our running game has, has been admirable, um, and our receiving core looked all right. So I, I would not, if Colt McCoy starts – I really wouldn't have him try anything super crazy or anything. Keep us in there. See if the defense gets some turnovers. Who knows? But I, I do have Seattle. I, I would say that even if Daniel Jones was starting, I have Seattle. All right. Next, uh, the regional teams. We're going to stay out west. Because the Patriots traveling to San Diego. Actually, they don't play in San Diego anymore, even though I wrote down SD. But the Los Angeles Chargers, I don't know why I wrote down SD, but – Maybe it's just on my head. I'm taking the Chadges because I just don't believe the Patriots are going to win two games in a row. I'm sorry. I just, I think the Chargers can score points. I don't know what happened to Arizona last week. I don't, it doesn't make any sense that they would lose that football game. So maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe it's bad to bet against Bill Belichick in the month of December. But I have a man crush on Justin Herbert, have for the last couple of years. He can do no wrong in my book. Also, it would be nice to see – Lisa's getting your holiday shopping done. <laughs> Fantasy points. Matt's doing his holiday shopping. Uh, so he got. It was an ad that popped up on the NFL website. I was looking up scores from last week. But um, I'm actually going to take the Patriots, Dennis. I think they oh, do. Oh, a little disagreement. Yeah, I, I think Arizona is a good team. So, I, I, I mean, obviously they've fallen off a little bit. But I, I think the Patriots beat a good team. I think the Patriots have played under what they uh, – are capable of and i think the chargers have not really done much other than justin herbert he's impressed me your, your man crush but the rest of the team hasn't um i think it's a pretty good game it's a pretty even matchup but i do think the patriots can get this one all right next 
your boys in the one game nobody cares about, Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears. Give me the Lions. Newly fired Matt Patricia, GM's out of town. They're going to play for whoever's the interim coach. Also, the Bears suck. Give me the Lions. I thought about that, Dennis, picking your boys, the Detroit Lions, because of those reasons. It doesn't make any sense for you to call them my boys. Oh, they're your boys. Uh, you You're talk, just ruining the joke. You talk about them more than I do. Therefore, they're your boys. Uh, I understand everything you said, and it's a long time coming. And as someone that has a lot of Facebook friends and Twitter friends right now because of uh, living here, I can tell you that they were all literally ecstatic. I've been asking for Matt Patricia to be gone for a long time. Um, there were celebrations in the streets here in Lansing. Um, but I am going to take the Bears because uh, I still think that Lions team is just not great at all. I think Matt Stafford is on his way out. DeAndre Swift, um, who obviously dropped that uh, catch in, in week one, has come into his own, but has caused some problems for them because of his uh, he's not able to stay healthy the last few weeks and has also caused some problems for my fantasy team. So I think without him, I think the Chicago Bears do win this game. It's going to be an ugly one. All right, Matt. Next, the Rams at Arizona. I'm taking Arizona. They got to get off Schneid. They got to stay competitive in that division. They still have an outside shot at winning it. I'll take the Cardinals. You're right. They do have an outside shot at winning it. They do have to stay competitive. And like I just mentioned a minute or two ago, I still think the Cardinals are a pretty decent team. But I think the Rams have done a great job of kind of turning their season around a little bit. I think the Rams are better. I think they go in Arizona, a team that's trying to figure out what to do next. I think they're going to get in their heads, their own heads mentally this week. And I do think the Los Angeles Rams continue to play well and they do win this game. All right. And I wouldn't miss it. It'd be a good one. It could, I, I would agree. Uh, I think at least when I was going down the schedule, the most intriguing matchup of this week, 13, the Cleveland Browns at the Tennessee Titans. I will let you go first because it might skew where I'm going, but. No, it's a tough one. I'll, I'll, I'll make it quick. I went back and forth with this one. Um, I've asked myself multiple times if I think the Cleveland Browns are as good as their record indicates. I don't think they are. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I think the Tennessee Titans are, though, either. But uh, I will go with the Tennessee Titans uh, over the Cleveland Browns. I really hate you because Sorry. I'm leaning towards the Titans. Uh, I'm going to take the Titans – we already have two disagreements. If I get those disagreements, we will be tied in the standings. He's currently holding a two-game lead on me. Snuck up. Uh, yeah, we both went five and one last week, so it was very unexciting. Uh, and picked all the same games. The only loss was both of us taking Arizona. Yeah. Uh, but I'm taking Tennessee because every time I ask Cleveland to prove to me that they're a good team, Correct. they get punched in the face and lose by like 17. So Correct. I just can't trust them to go on the road to a team – who's a playoff team a year ago, gets better as the season goes on, looked really good against a fairly good and competitive Colts team last week. So, yeah, I'm taking the Titans. I don't believe for one second they slow down Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill just does just, does just enough. If it's a shootout, I'll take Tennessee. That's a good way to explain Ryan Tannehill. All right, well, Dennis – I didn't think you were only two uh, games behind me, so that uh, makes things a bit more interesting. This will be a fun week. Um, I want to give a personal Thanksgiving shout-out to uh, Justin Tucker and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, also, uh, uh, which, uh, Harbaugh's brother um, for uh, 
literally deciding one not to use Justin Tucker when he's at uh, when it was like a 50 yard field goal. And we know he's more than capable of that. And two, going forward on fourth and goal, um, not spiking the ball on third down uh, to let him kick. Thank you so much for that. Really helped out the whopping two points when I just needed 10. So thank you, Baltimore. Thank you, Justin Tucker. Thanks for nothing. Um, Dennis, do you have anything else to add? No. All right. Well, on that note, happy Thanksgiving again to you and yours and to all of our listeners. Christmas time it's, is here. Yeah, I was about to say, it's December. Yeah, but we didn't get the Party talk. watching Christmas movies every night, listening to Christmas music since Sunday. All in, baby. I just got to get the lights up. Likewise, I got all the stuff up in the living room. Nothing really in here yet in the Matt and Dennis studio. But, Dennis, thank you so much. We will talk to you. Enjoy uh, your weekend. Put up some Christmas lights. Giant Seattle, will it be Colt McCoy, as many expect, or will it be Daniel Jones? We'll find out. Either way, I'm not expecting a, a significant shift in the NFC standings this week, but it's the beauty of football. Maybe there will be. Who knows? Why are we playing? Exactly. For Dennis Vinci, I'm Matt Scrano. We're at Matt and Dennis Pod on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Matt and Dennis tweeted us. Let us know if you want to come on the show, if you got any uh, hard-hitting topics you want us to get into. Otherwise, we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to Matt and Dennis. Have a great evening. Thanks for listening. Dennis. Adios.